Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? I said the Brie Tucker and immediately Addie, the dog sitting on the couch, was like, where's Brie? Where's Brie? Where's Brie? Where's Brie? She always gives me belly rubs. Where's she at? I know. Exactly. I miss, I miss my office mate. My my dog, as much as I love my dog, Max, he just lays on the bed and stares at me all day. <laughs> oh. That's that's his idea of a good day. He just lays on the bed and stares at me. That's all. Well, she usually goes on the couch in the other room. And today I brought her in here and shut the door. And I'm like, haha, you have to spend time with me, dog. <laughs> I'm not letting you go anywhere else. It's funny, like working from home, it's got a lot of flexibility, but it can get really lonely. It can. It can. <laughs> I like my little dog dog pets I know. in between working. I know, right? It's good. Well, like yesterday, well, you messaged me about hanging out because what was yesterday for us? First day of school for us. Yes. First day of school. It was crazy. And you couldn't hang out because you're on the whole 30. And I wanted margaritas. And you're like, I can't. I, I can't yet. And you know that I am a margarita gal. I am normally I know. up for those. And I would be like, margaritas for breakfast. It's fruit juice. There's lime juice in there. It counts as healthy. <laughs> exactly. A part of your daily five, right? Yeah. Fruits and veggies, margaritas. Exactly. Uh, and I was searching all online for Whole30, like specific margarita recipes. <laughs> There's none. I, right. Because you were, you what's so funny. You kept like trying to figure out the sweetener. And I'm like, no, I can't have sweetener. And then I was like, well, but actually I can't have alcohol. So really it's not the same thing. And anyway. you <laughs> give me lime juice with a, yeah, uh, with nothing else. And then, yeah, I could drink it. There you go. Yeah. If you have school starting soon, this is going to be a great episode for you because we talked to one of our favorites, Dana Abraham, who has an excellent book coming out. And she is a two-timer. She is. Uh, which we talk about in this episode. And she's a founder of Calm the Chaos Parenting and author of the new book, Calm the Chaos, a fail-proof roadmap for parenting even the most challenging kids. And it releases on today, today. August 15th. Today. So make sure to go to Amazon and get your copy. She specializes in helping parents with raising even the most challenging kid behaviors, sensory overwhelm, everything. We hope you enjoy our interview with Dana. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome back, Dana, to the podcast. I just had to look up and I'm like, you are a two-timer. <laughs> it's the best thing. It's your second time no, here. A two-timer is a, is a title of love. Here at the No Guild Mom It's a podcast. title of love oh, here. It's a no title of honor yeah. for me. I am so excited to be back. We need jackets. We always say that I when know. people come back, but we need like oh. two-timer jackets. No Guilt Mom two-timer. Hey, be, we need, be we need a sponsor to sponsor that. So if you're listening to the podcast and you love it, sponsor the No Guilt Mom two-timer jacket club and uh, <laughs> put you on there. There you go. There you go. There you go. But this time, Dana, you're coming back because you have a book coming out, Calm the Chaos, a fail-proof roadmap for parenting even the most challenging kids, which I got to sit back and read. And it is it is phenomenal. Great work. Thank you. 
it's just so many great parenting strategies that I told you before we started, we could really talk for like six hours or so on all of the things. But there's a lot in particular that I want to dive into. So let's just dive into it. Let's dive into it. In your community, you really help parents deal with the most challenging kids. And I know in our No Guilt Mom community and our Balanced VIP, the question that is often asked is, how do I find out the reason behind their behavior? Because there's so much there, right? On on Pinterest or on Instagram, (laughs) and it's like the iceberg. And it's got 5 million reasons underneath. And you're like, what am I supposed to do? Throw darts at this? Like, how am I supposed to figure out what is going on under the surface? Yeah. Yeah, because there there is. There's a lot, a lot. And something in your book, your behavior funnel. Can you describe the behavior funnel for us? I can. So behind the behavior funnel is kind of like sifting for gold, right? I think of those like pots or pans that have different size holes in them. And it's a process of elimination using the science of behavior and relationships and child development to really identify what are the most common needs behind a behavior. So just to, you know, as make sure we're all in the same playing field, we believe that behavior is communication. It is a sign pointing to something else going on. It is not manipulative or bossy or rude or disrespectful. And I know you guys believe that, teach that. Just making sure we're on playing field for any listeners. Um, And so behind that behavior is kind of if you think of a funnel and that it's bigger on top and smaller on the bottom, is that at the very top is most basic needs. And a lot of us think of those when we think of our babies, when we're raising really young children, we think of, do they need to have their diaper changed? Are they hungry? Are they sleepy? But as kids start getting older, we start to kind of forget some of those basic needs. Um, and the one bait, especially after the last few years that we've all gone through collectively as a society, is the basic need of safety and that that need to feel like I am in a safe place. I am safe to be myself. I am safe to make mistakes. And you'll see a lot of behavior when children are not feeling fully safe, when they're really anxious about something, when they're worried about something, when they're scared of something. And sometimes when they're overexcited about something, so they're not really feeling safe on what's going to happen and where things are going. Um, And so if we start there and look at behavior and say, all right, are all their basic needs met? We can a lot of times address that need before having to pinpoint or dig much further into the funnel. And that's so interesting when you say that, like, as they get older, we kind of forget about that. We forget about that in ourselves as well, that our basic needs also need to be met for us to parent effectively. Because if I'm hungry or if I'm feeling anxious, I am not going to be my best self as a parent. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Right. If we're like waiting on a call or we're um, waiting from the doctor, like think about how we show up if we're tired and we didn't sleep well. And that's why, like, I reach this like you need to give yourself time and energy, too, because if you don't have any fuel in your tank, you won't be able to show up for your kid. And so you have to meet those basic needs yourself. Um, And it's so hard, especially if you're dealing with really challenging behavior. Oh, yeah, definitely. I often think about how how we were raised. A lot of times we were told just to kind of suck it up and deal. And I often think about what led all three of us to this change in finding that there is a different 
way to do things than what we've been taught. Can either of you pinpoint the time that like it changed for you to figure out well, how to raise kids differently? I'd love to hear Bree's, but I've got some ideas on mine. Oh, mine was I started an early intervention. Like I learned everything. So like as soon as my undergrad is in rehabilitation psychology. So my background in college was figuring out, you know, what's causing the issues for And mine was in drug alcohol rehab. So that's where that kind of started. And then when I started an early intervention, that's a program that works with kids that are birth three that have developmental delays. So yeah, you're dealing with that iceberg all, we talked about that before, you're dealing with that iceberg all day long trying to figure out what's going on here. And that's that exactly my pinpoint. That's where it started. And I learned everything from my mentors in that field. So I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and to get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel energized. Even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot. AG1 tastes really good too. And I enjoy my glass every single morning. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Dana? I would say mine started when I was a child. Um, I felt so unseen and unheard, and I would even be told, like, that's not a problem, you know, or don't talk back to me. And I wasn't talking back, but I was just sharing like, but that hurts me or but that's overwhelming or I don't want to do that. It was like, oh, yeah, you do. You love that. Like I would even be told what I like or don't like. And I was like, but I don't. You know, so, yeah, I think growing up and my mom was doing I believe all parents are doing the best that they could with what they're given. 
And my mom really wanted us to fit a mold because she didn't. And so she didn't want us to have the same pain that she went through. And so it was all about like keeping up with the Joneses, putting up the appearances. And so it it didn't matter if, you know, you had sensory needs. It didn't matter if things were overwhelming like that. That wasn't really something we even talked about. You ate the food. I remember my brother. Oh, my gosh. I have this memory of my brother. He used to sit with food in his mouth that he didn't like. He would like chipmunk it, my mom would call it. My mom would make him sit at the dinner table until he ate it, but it would turn to mush in his mouth. So then he can't eat it. So then he stuck with his food in his cheeks. He would sit there for hours with food in his cheeks. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have a story that is about that. We have a story in our, in our family about how my sister had to keep, how my sister kept grapes in her mouth for four hours one day. Because it was a battle of the wills, man. A battle of the wills. It was a battle. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much of that battle that happens. Like, I think my my shift came as soon as I became a mom and went into, I had postpartum depression. And so I went into therapy for the very first time in my entire life. And having somebody validate my emotions and tell me that, hey, you are also dealing with this anxiety really started me thinking on, oh my gosh, what is everyone else dealing with that they don't even know? They don't even know. And so when you say taking care of basic needs and taking care of connection, those are things that people are struggling with and kids struggle with that we don't even think to take care of at first. And and it's so like, and especially after 2020 and beyond, our sense of safety, our sense of knowing, like there's so much that's still unpredictable in the world and for our kids. And that unpredictability causes stress. And when we're stressed, we're going to see some behaviors if we can't understand that stress. And the connection, how many of our kids were disconnected from their peers, how many of us were disconnected from our support systems, and we're, we do have that connection more now, but connection, which is the next layer in that funnel, is that sense of belonging and I feel seen for who I am and I feel heard for what I'm trying to say. And in that piece, even if you play with your kids, you do one-on-one time with your kids, you have all this interaction with your kids, you can still be missing that connection piece. My mom, if she was here today, would tell you, we did all kinds of things as a family. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't see me, right? You yeah. didn't hear Ooh. me. You didn't know me. Yes. Yeah. It, right. And so that's the piece our kids are missing. Let's talk about that connection because you take down one of my least favorite parenting practices in your book. And I'm so glad you did it. It is that dedicated one-on-one time. And why having this dedicated one-on-one time doesn't work because I see it also in our community where moms get so stressed out about what are they going to do for this dedicated one-on-one time. They don't even like the things they're doing in this dedicated one-on-one time. And which you say something really insightful about that I'm like, yes, that's me, Data. Yeah. So that that's definitely, I was thinking of not being a natural player, but I was also thinking of, God forbid, you have more than one, right? Oh, yeah. You have three kids. I have someone in my community. One of our coaches has eight kids. Like, imagine 15 minutes times eight. Like, I'm not fast at math, so I'm not going to do that math right this second. But that's like two hours, right? Or something like that. It's a lot of time. It's hour and a half, something like that. A lot of time dedicated. That doesn't count work. That doesn't count that you've got to get them to school. That doesn't count homework. That doesn't count, you know, like managing them in the bed and the bath and all the Uh transitions. And 
oh, you got to eat dinner? What? You know, like it doesn't count any of that. And so parents feel a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. So that's one. Two, a lot of parents aren't natural players. I just was talking with someone earlier today about how connection comes kind of natural to me. I was an early childhood teacher and play is just my love language. Like I can come up with a play activity. I have a whole activity book, right? I used to be an activity blogger. Like that just comes natural for me. My husband, on the other hand, no way, right? Like his idea of connecting with the kids is to be like, hey, want me to take you somewhere? And they're like, yeah. And then he talks to him in the car on the way there. Like that's his connection. And and it can make parents feel really guilty and really shamed into why am I not good at this? Why can't I do this? And then there's a third piece, which I is the reason I kind of like hit this one over the head is I've had so many parents come to me. They've done this one on one time. And yet in the same sentence, they tell me their kid is a brat or manipulative or that their kid is rude or disrespectful and that they don't like their kid. And I'm like, what's the point of one-on-one connection when the other 23 hours and 45 minutes you're berating your kid or you're nagging your kid or you're telling them all the things they're doing wrong? Uh-huh. Uh, Cause my mom was like, my mom loved me. I know she did. And she, she paraded me around to everybody else. Look at what she did. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. And it was all the positives. And she was always lifting me up to others. But behind the doors, it was, you don't need to eat that. You need to lose five pounds. You need to get better grades. You got a B. You should have gotten an A. Like it was, it was like nitpicking every little thing. And I truly never thought I was ever going to be good enough. And I think. We do that inadvertently without thinking. I did. My husband still calls it the dumbest thing he's ever done. But that, I can't that right there it. proves yeah. that it's successful. <laughs> yeah. He still he still says it was the most successful thing. But he was like, oh, I, was, I hated it. I, you know, uh-huh. and my son will say that was so silly, mom. Right. Like, but now they have the best relationship. And so that assignment was really just to notice one thing about the other person that was positive for the day, like you helped your sister or you helped me, uh, you know, open my Lego set, something super, super small because neither one of them trusted the other person. So I can go to the grocery store without getting called home for a meltdown. And now he's actually the one that wakes my son up. He's the one that like takes him here and there. And he's the one that can actually step in if I'm actually struggling with something. And it feels magical. It's not magical. It's science, but it it feels magical. I loved it because a lot of people say they have a really hard time getting their partner on board. And one way that you got around that was that, yes, you had your son notice something positive about your husband, but also you had your son hand the notebook to your husband and it's like, now write something positive about me. <laughs> yes. And it was notice something positive about me. It was like anything positive you saw that way because at first they couldn't even notice you helped me i helped you they could only notice like uh, i don't know you helped your sister get something you know like and it was that was really the energy around it it was like i don't know like rack my brain rack my brain rack my brain you got something off the tall shelf for your toddler sister you know like that was where it started and then it morphed into you gave me a hug you helped me do this. You felt, you know, yeah. you you did this thing when I when it was hard for you. Like it morphed into that, but they weren't ready for it. And we had to meet them where they were. 
Yeah. And it's creating those neural pathways. It's like as soon as you start noticing the little things, then like more and more of that shows up in your everyday life. It's genius. I was like, this is genius. Genius. So you have the basic needs and connection at the top of your behavior funnel. And then we go into sensory. Yeah. Tell us about that. So sensory, I think, is one of the most overlooked um, oh, yeah. reasons for behavior. And I think that, you know, when people hear about sensory, they think, well, my kid doesn't have a diagnosis. I know I can shut this part of the podcast off. I can turn my brain off. And I, I disagree. I think if every human understood sensory, we would have so much more compassion and understanding for humans. You know, we would understand just a couple of weeks ago when that guy had a big fit because the kid, the baby was crying. Uh, did you guys see that on Southwest or something like that? Uh, well, yes. Mm-hmm. And he he had his own little little tantrum, you know, and I was like, oh, I see the iceberg happening here. Right. Like, this guy doesn't feel safe. His sen- it's too loud for him. But no one's ever taught him about sensory needs. He doesn't know that his senses are overwhelmed and overstimulated. So he doesn't have compassion for himself, nor does he have compassion for this baby. You know, he's like, well, the baby's crying. Are you going to kick him off? I'm like, it's a baby. That's literally their only communication. Um, But yeah, I mean, sensory is not just like, here's these five senses. It's super cute. Let's play with them. It's this is how your body and brain interact with the world. This is how you take in information. This is how you process information. And this is how you interpret your surroundings. And so if one is, you know, and, and we all have preferences, like I might have really strong tactile preferences and really seek out these different feelings and textures and, and things like that. Whereas my daughter has really strong tactile preferences where everything has to be super soft. And she has to wear certain clothes. She won't wear jeans. She won't wear dresses. She'll wear a skirt. She'll wear, you know, like if Cat and Jack wants to sponsor you guys from Target, right? Like she'll only <laughs> like she's really particular about what she wears because she knows her and she can say, this hurts my skin. I don't like the way this feels. But and that's huge right there. Language. Right? That's yeah. huge right there. Being able to not only identify what it is that's, that is uncomfortable for you, but being able to use that language. And to be safe enough, to feel safe enough to say that and know that it's not going to come back as that's stupid, that's dumb, you're weird. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yep. Well, it's always changing, like, the dialogue, too, around sensory. Like you said, with the guy on the flight, like, my neighbor across the street, Mm -hmm. we got into a little tiff about my dog barking. And like, I didn't think my dog barking was too loud. And I, I, he said some choice words to me and I told him exactly how I felt in a very kind way, but I was very direct with him and we solved it. Turns out like a month later, I started talking to another neighbor who talks about the same fight she gets in with this neighbor about her son's motorbike going down the street too loud. And that's when it clicked. And I'm like, oh, we had some sensory needs going on over there. Yeah. And It made me much more sympathetic to him once it clicked. But like my neighbor I was talking to, she's never heard about this stuff in her life. She just thinks he's a jerk. And it's not what's going on. Yeah. We, uh, it was my my son's 18th birthday the other day. Mm -hmm. And so we went, he got to choose what we did and he wanted to go bowling. This is the kid that I talk about in the book. So super sensitive to like noises, sights, smells. He wanted to go bowling. Bowling. Uh (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Couldn't go until after five. So here it is, like, Sunday, a 4th of July weekend, and we're going after 5. It's like 7 o'clock. They've got the music blaring. They've got all the lanes are full. They've got all the foods going, right? It is sensory overload when you walk in. We walk in the door. All The whole family looked at each other, and my daughter goes, it's really loud in here. It's over my headphones. My oldest son goes, I mean, maybe we can get through it. How long's the wait? And then he looked at my husband, who also is sensory sensitive, and he was like, it's really loud. I don't think we can do this. And we all left, collectively left. And we got in the car where it was quiet, where everyone could think. And we started brainstorming other things we could do. And he tells his girlfriend, he's like, my sister and my my dad, they're just really sensitive to sound. So it was not going to work to stay there. And I was like, I think you are too. But that <laughs> no. You know, but he had the language, yeah. you know, and no one was upset. He wasn't frustrated. He was like, oh, this ruins my 18th birthday. Yeah. Or it was just like, all right, let's do something else. I yeah. Mean, it really changed the way you walk through life when you understand it. It does. It does so, so much. We've had to leave a lot of places because my son is very sensitive to sounds as well. And It's interesting communicating with people who aren't aware of this, who like through your work, you're helping people discover that there's this whole sensory world because as parents, we do get judged when we're like, yeah, my son, it's just not his thing. And they're like, oh, well, can't you bribe him? Can't you do that? Or or just that it doesn't work that way. Or about the other one of like, well, if he's never around it, he's never going to learn to deal with it. And there is some truth in tolerance building. But not yeah. by dropping you into the the most difficult situation and right. Just sucking but it so up. Uh, my analogy, 
would maybe be this one, and this is not fleshed out, it just came to me, I think, in kind of like pictorial like this. Yeah. But I think of like, if you have a sunburn, is that the time to test out sweaters? <laughs> right? Oh, no. That's an excellent way to put it. Yes. Probably not, right? Yeah. Like, because one's going to be too scratchy, one might have buttons, one might have seam. But like, when you are like fresh skin, you feel really great, you know, you don't have any itches, you don't have a sunburn. Now that's the time to go try on different sweaters. Yeah, it's the same sure. with with any sort of skill that we're trying to help our kids build. We have plans in place now to empower our family so that we can do things that maybe we wouldn't do because of these sensory sensitivities. Uh-huh. We go bowling during the day at 11 o'clock when no one's on the lanes and they're not bla- blaring loud music. We can still go bowling. We just do it at a different time. And so... It's it's not a all or nothing. It's, okay, what part of this is working? What part of this isn't? And how do I tweak this small part? Now we have a way forward. Yeah. Which brings us to the next step on the behavior funnel, the skills. Like, is your child missing skills that they need to develop? Yeah. That will help them be more successful in the situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of people jump to skills and they jump to the bottom of the funnel And the truth is, is if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel connected, then and if your body doesn't feel safe because you're inundated with these different sensory sensations, it doesn't matter what skills you have. You're not going to be able to access them. And so that's why the funnel's set up this way is so that you're checking off these other things first and then you're going, okay, there's some lagging skills there's some missing skills here. Let's build on those. Yeah, because sometimes when you're trying to deal with the more minute parts, right? And like you said, you haven't dealt with the bigger ones that are more likely to be causing the issue. It's overwhelming trying to figure out how to get to that little spot because you're looking at a bazillion reasons. Yes. Yes. And then the last two, they're really small in the funnel. And it's what a lot of like behavior analysts will say Uh is that all behavior is to either seek something or avoid something. And so, yes, we are seeking something. We are avoiding something. But why? Why Why are we desiring that thing? Why are we avoiding that thing? It's probably one of the things at the top of the funnel. And if not, it could just be like, this is a really strong value for me. Or this is, right? And a lot of our kids who have more challenging behavior, they're incredibly sensitive and incredibly empathetic. And so that strong social justice, this is not fair. Mm-hmm. Like, I want this to be fair. Yes. Right? They will go to the ends of the earth to make sure something meets that desire. They will avoid things like if you don't like superheroes, you are going to avoid (laughs) anything that has superheroes, especially if you've got that very rigid mindset as a child who is like, I need things in this certain order to to feel safe. (laughs) And, And superheroes, they don't make me feel safe, right? Pokemon makes me feel safe. I want Pokemon, right? Yeah. I'll do anything you have me do. That's where we get into that danger of thinking rewards work is because they'll do anything for that reward because they love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you say that usually the last part of the funnel, like the reason they're de- desiring or avoiding it is due to something on the top of the funnel. And you just go right back there. I love the- this behavior funnel. It makes so much sense and it really brings to light the things that we forget when we're looking at kids' behaviors and what is most important to consider and then going down it. So it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. It has helped a lot of families, helped me 
with my son. And then, and it's taken a lot of iterations to really get clear on it, but it really comes back to, I mean, we now have people who will like behavior funnel their cat. Like, why is my cat? <laughs> like going after my feet, you works. know, that I could do it on my dog. But yeah. It, but it <laughs> dogs. yeah, it's like it's that yeah. whole you don't know what you don't know until you know. Yeah. And yeah, nine out of 10 times my dog is hungry or needs to pee. There you go. First step of behavior yeah. funnel. <laughs> let's just let's check those basic needs. Oh, they feel like we haven't loved on them lately. OK, right? right. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about your book, Data. So my book, Calm the Chaos, uh, comes out very soon, and it uh, kind of it walks parents through all the way from survival mode to thriving as a family. And the behavior funnel is part of the understanding piece. Um, I believe that there are four main pillars that parents need, and it's all based on best practices. It's be- based on child psychology and all the things that we've learned over the last 20 years about children and development, relationships, communication. Mm-hmm. And then it marries it with your hard-won experience because I don't want parents to feel like they they don't have knowledge or that they can't trust their intuition and that there's someone else that's going to give them the answers. Yes, there are best practices, but you also are an expert in your child. And so when you have these four pillars, it makes it so much easier to say, okay, how do I handle this? How do I handle that? Knowing this base, you know, to walk me through it. Yes. And you're so encouraging throughout the book, too. And just telling parents, take it one at a time, do one thing at a time. And this is a skill. It takes practice. It's okay. You're doing great. So I highly recommend it to every parent. You have such knowledge in there and uh, it's all based on science. And Dana, it's been a thrill again. Thank you for being a two-timer and coming oh, on the podcast. I'm honored to be a two-timer. Thank you so much. We got to get you on the Happy Mom Summit, Dana. That's what we need. You to be a speaker. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll work on that uh, okay. and we'll talk to you soon. Um, fantastic. Thank you. Dana is always a wealth of knowledge. And that behavior funnel that she has, oh my gosh, it totally changes how I am going to be teaching and explaining, finding the reasons behind your kids' behaviors. I think it's genius. I love it. And what I especially love about Dana's approach is that she's constantly like, okay, it's not that your kid is bad. It's not that you're feeling as a parent. There's like all these other pieces to put together. And she and she just she brings it in such a an, an easy to understand and an easy way to approach. So I uh-huh. I just absolutely love that. It's so interesting because it has totally changed my parenting, this whole digging deeper into sensory behaviors and like reasons behind things and neurotypical behavior too. Okay. Because sometimes like you look around, you're like, why aren't everyone else's kids having as much of a struggle as my kids are with this specific thing? Uh-huh. And in my family, anxiety is incredibly prevalent, like uh-huh. incredibly prevalent. Um, same. And so it's made me, yeah, same. same. So <laughs> it's made me look at them. And when they're struggling, we have lots of conversations about shame in our house. We have lots of conversations about sensory needs in our house because I don't think I've shared this with you. Do you know that Josh like walks around the house with noise canceling headphones? Um, no, but I can see that based on like the conversations that we've had about Eric and I seen how much Eric and Josh have a lot of similarities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like I never put it together before, before I was reminded in reading Dana's book again about sensory needs. But 
it's a form of self-care for him yep. because he gets so overstimulated that he's listening to podcasts and stuff with noise-canceling headphones, but it's this way of controlling his auditory environment and being able to regulate himself. Because he he tells me, he's like, I need to have this to be in a good mood in the morning. Like he goes to coffee and relaxes and everything. And then he has his headphones on it's, in the evening. And that is so helpful that he knows that. And I love that your kids are growing up and seeing that be a positive function in the family so that they're going to be able to, that's just a part of their personality. That's just part of the way that they think yeah. going forward. Like you said, I, the whole sensory aspect of it, like I know I learned about it when I was in my 20s from working on early intervention. And even though I know it, I don't think about it all the time. It's not in the forefront of things. And I know both of my kids have sensory stuff and I do try to bring it up to them. And they do love to do the whole like, I'm fine, mom. I have one of my kids I did buy noise canceling headphones for for my stepson and he loved them. But at the same time, he doesn't like to use them because he doesn't like to He'll say, like, I don't I don't need them. And you could just hear it in the voice. Oh. It's like the whole I don't want to need them. But oh yeah. They're very That's helpful. a hard thing to get over. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this like pushback of being like, no, there's nothing different about me. Right. And there's the, nothing and we I need. It. And we all have some all degree have of sensory integration. Like all of us have like certain smells, tastes, textures, sounds that we don't like. Like the most common one, nails on chalkboard. Right. Like uh, yeah. almost everybody, that like sound that. bothers you. That is a sensory thing, people. So uh-huh. we all have it. We all just have varying ways to work through it. And and how great is it that how much more functional and happy is Josh that he can articulate it and that you guys can support that. So, yeah, I love and that. that. Eric is like realizing it as well. I mean, he got a pair of noise canceling headphones that he's wearing around the house and you see him. Oh, and I don't blame him wearing it in the car with his sister's friends because my daughter being one of those friends. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He did do that. Yes, he he did do that. And he was much calmer when we arrived at the destination and happier. It was a very good thing. Love it. But um, Love it. Dana's book is fantastic. Go get it. It yes. came out today. And if you listen here to the No Get Mom podcast, we ask you for a favor. Can you go review us? Especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, can you just leave us a quick review? Just leave us a quick review. It would mean so much to us. And it gets the No Guilt Mom podcast in front of more people so that we can change this conversation about what it means to be a mom and what it means to give to yourself and that you're not being since actually for the good of everyone. Remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. 
Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.